0: Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message, but before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the Word together.
1: Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house, right? That's
0: right.
1: In the house of the Lord. It feels good to be here. It's funny because uh, I was telling uh, Cody as I came in here today that it has almost been a year to the day since I was out here last. Yeah, I spoke last year on January 17th, I believe. And you guys, haven't, you guys haven't had me back since. So. No, I'm just playing. I'm just Welcome playing. I'm, I'm just playing. Not really, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you guys remember, and, and granted, between now and then, there's been a lot that's gone on in my, my wife and I's lives, but we'll share a little bit about that today. But uh, if you remember, if you were here last time, I preached a message called, uh, <coughs> excuse me, called What's Your Butt? If you remember that, Uh, if you weren't here, the whole premise behind it was in John 16, 33, where Jesus told the disciples, he said, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the things of the world. So he was essentially talking about, look, you're going to have issues, you're going to have difficulties, you're going to have things that come up in your life, but, and so I I posed the question, what's your but in the middle of your situation? And that Jesus always has an answer to our issues. He always has a solution for what's going on. So therefore, that's our but. Okay, our but's not to be concerned about what's going on, but to know that he always has a solution for what's going on. So I preached the message. I thought it was a good message. (laughs) I did. I kid you not, okay, the very next day, As I'm getting ready to go to work, I get a phone call, and it's from a manager. I worked for Verizon 15 and a half years, and he said, hey, you know, how are you doing this morning? You know, Brian's talking to you. You know, we're making some changes at work, and there's some cutbacks, and I just want to let you know your position was cut. What? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? My position's cut. He said, yeah. He said, we made some changes, and unfortunately, one of yours was cut. But it's been a pleasure working with you, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we wish you the best. You know, you have an opportunity to maybe apply for other positions and things like that. And I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me right now. Fifteen and a half years, and that's the best you could tell me is you wish me well? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me right now. And as I'm sitting there like, oh, what do I do? How in the world, I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to tell my wife what just happened? And uh, so I'm sitting there, and I kind of explained it to her, like, okay, this is what happened. And she said, well, I kind of knew. And I don't know if it was her or if it was God telling me this. I mean, sometimes they sound the same. (laughs) Okay. (coughs) So I just heard Brian, what's your butt? And I'm like, God, I don't even want to hear it right now. (laughs) The messages I preach are for everyone else but me, okay? (laughs) I am not even trying to hear this right now. And so I said, well, all right, God, you got a solution for this. So help me out here. What's going on? Help me out. And so probably within an hour, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who's in a higher position with the company and said, hey, I heard what happened. I heard your position got cut and uh, I want you to come on my team." And so, I was like, oh, okay, cool, what's, you know. He said, well, here's the deal. He said, I've been trying to get you to the business team for years. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity. Well, I do too, because I don't have a job right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good opportunity You come on my team. He said, there's a position that just opened, and he said, you, I mean, you have to go through all the formalities, you have to apply, you have to interview and all that stuff, so. I said, well, cool, okay, God, here's your solution. So, I mean, I did everything I know how to do in the natural, and of course, I applied and had to go through an interview. I built like a 10-page action plan for this, and so I went through an interview, and they said, well, we're gonna do a second interview as well, which is standard and business team, and my interview was consisting of on-the-phone cold-calling businesses, you know, while other people were listening to me, so it wasn't no pressure at all, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I go through, and I'm like, yes, okay, I rocked the interview. Thank God, you know, that God had a solution for the issue that I was dealing with. And so the manager calls me up and says, man, you did an awesome job with the interview, but we're going with someone else. And I'm like, God, man, you're messing with me right now here. And so I go to my wife, and and, uh, I was just like, I mean, if I'm honest, I'm ticked. For lack of better words, I'm really upset about this. So I go to my wife and I tell her, I said, I didn't get the position. She said, well, I kind of figured you wouldn't.
0: <laughs> I'm,
1: like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now, you know? And I said, I, if I'm honest, I'm like, I, I can't figure this out because I prayed. This didn't happen. And so I said to my wife, I was praying about this. It felt good. It seemed good to me that we were going to get this. I was going to get this job. And she said, well, you got to know something. I was praying that you wouldn't get the job. <laughs> and I said, you've got to be joking. And she said, I was praying you wouldn't get the job because if you got this job, you were going to never step out into what you believe God was calling you to do. So, okay. So, and that was the thing is, you know, I felt for 20 years that God has called me to pastor. But for 20 years, within that time, I kept putting things off. And I was afraid to step out and do those things. Because it was easier for me to stand in the background as an associate, as a youth minister, as a college minister, whatever. But I never wanted to step up and be the head guy. Because there's multiple things, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, it was one of those things to where this was kind of like a foot to me. A kick to the behind like it's time to step out it's time to do what god is calling you to do and my wife was that encouragement at that time in order to do so and the thing is is with that and we're going to talk a little bit about this today um like i said i know god had called me to pastor and i'd known this for years that i was called and the very thing that was what held me back i think is the very thing that holds a lot of us back from doing what we feel god is calling us to do or god is telling us to do Maybe an idea that you have, or maybe a business you want to start, whatever it might be, I think the very thing that held me back is the very thing that's holding us a lot, holding a lot of us back. And I I had a, a really, really significant fear of failure. And it was something I was afraid to step out and put everything out there on the line to follow my passion and to follow what I believe God spoke to me on the inside. And I think that that can relate to most of us in here. Yeah. It's the God's honest truth, is that we have ideas, we have inventions, we have things that are on the inside. We want to be a worship leader, or we want to start our own business, what, we want to start a family. I mean, that, that's something that has plagued me. I never, never, when I got married, wanted to have kids, because I was afraid to be a dad. Because okay, I was afraid that I was going to fail. I never wanted to step out and be a pastor because I was afraid of what failure would look like. I was afraid of rejection. And I'm just going to be 100% transparent, and I hope you guys are okay with that, because I think most of us are feeling the same way too. There's something that is burning on the inside of us that we want to do, and God is saying, I need you to step out on there. But fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection, is what holds us back from going forward and pursuing everything that God is calling us, and the thoughts that I had. What if I'm not successful? What if I feel, what will people say about me? If I step out and pastor a church, and it's not as successful as the other one, what are people going to say about me? So my success was wrapped up into to a foundation that was unstable. And so, yeah, I sat there, and it took me losing my job Really, because I had no other option at the time. I had no other option but to step out and get out on that ledge and and begin to follow what I felt God was calling me to do. Like I said, I knew it. But I, if I did not succeed, I was afraid that I was going to be criticized for it. All of this was due to the fact that I built my foundation of success on something that was unstable. So here's the deal. is How did I get from there to where we are now? Okay, and my wife and I are stepping out, and maybe I'll talk about that here in a little bit, but um, how did I get beyond the the disappointments? How did I overcome the fear of failure that has plagued so many of us and begin to walk a successful life that God has called each and every one of us to live? So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message today. God, I prepared a message that I believe you have spoken to me, and I'm going to deliver that message. And I ask Holy Spirit that you reinforce that message with these folks today, with signs and wonders following. So we just appreciate you, and we just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. So I'm going to have you turn to two sections. Go to Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to take a look here. And We're just going to follow, and I know, you know, Joseph is an individual that is talked about regularly when you you go to the Old Testament, and an individual who's overcome a lot, but we're going to take a look at him today, and some of the things that he's done to overcome the disappointments, the fears of failure, and things like that in his life, in order to be that individual who, in turn, began to walk successfully in the things that God has called him to do. So many of you know the story. For, for those of you who don't, just kind of follow along with me. So Joseph worked for his not-so-friendly brothers, uh, tending his father's sheep. His brothers at the time, in Genesis 37 it talks about, his brothers at the time uh, hated him. Okay, they, were, they were nice, nice brothers. So they hated Joseph and pretty much everything that he stood for and everything that he was about. In Genesis 37, five, one night Joseph had a dream. The dream, in essence, was God telling Joseph that he was going to be ruler over much, and that included his brothers. Okay, so God put something on the inside of Joseph, told him that he was going to be ruler over much, and that dream and that vision and that purpose that God put in him included that he was going to rule over his brothers. So Joseph, at the time, he was 17, and he did what every responsible 17-year-old would do. And he went and blabbed his mouth to his brothers. Okay? I don't know about you guys. I'm the the baby of the bunch in my family. Now, if I would have done something like that to my siblings, it probably wouldn't have sat well. Okay? You feel me here a little bit? And I can kind of see the situation was probably in a moment where Joseph was probably getting teased or getting the fire beat out of him. And he said, you guys just wait. Because when I grow up, I'm going to rule over every one of you guys. And it was something he said to his brothers, and therefore they began to hate him even more. They began to dislike him even more. So they plotted against him, threw him into a pit, sold him into slavery, eventually to a man named Potiphar. That's in Genesis 37-23. So from the age of 17 through 30, okay, between when Joseph had the dream that he felt God was calling him to do, he was 17 years of age. By the time he went and was sold into slavery, he was approximately 30 years of age. So 13 years from when Joseph felt like he was called to when he has gone through all kinds of disappointments, all kinds of failure in his life. And honestly, if I'm, if I'm sitting there in Joseph's shoes, I'm sitting there thinking to myself the same thing that we probably think, God, where the heck are you? Why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this? You've called me. You told me I'm going to be a ruler over much, but yet here I am in a pit. Here I am sold into slavery, so forth and so on. So many disappointments. So many things have happened in my life, but you told me that this was going to take place, that this was going to happen. So from age 17 to 30, uh, Joseph's life was full of disappointment. So he was hated by his brothers, disappointment, thrown into a pit, bigger disappointment, sold into slavery, probably the biggest disappointment, because God said he was going to be ruler over much, but now he's in a situation where he is being ruled. Okay, so it's not coming easy for this man. So we need to stop for a second. Like I said, put ourselves into Joseph's shoes and, and put ourselves to where we can feel how he's feeling in this situation. Joseph wasn't some supernatural individual that had the ability to put down all the hurts and the thoughts and the ideas of fear of failure and things like that. No, he was a man just like us, so he was going to deal with the same emotions and the same things that we've dealt with. And so in this position, he felt God has called him to do something. It is not happening. It's been 13 years. I've been in the position where I've been beat down over and over and over and over again. You cannot tell me those disappointments didn't have impact on him. You cannot tell me that the thought in his head was, did I miss it, God? Am I doing what you've called me to do? Or are you going to do what you've called me to do? Is this ever going to happen? I mean, I stepped out and I told my brothers, I told my dad, and I told God knows how many other people he told about what God had told him, but yet it is not happening. He is in a situation that is worse than when God told him what he was calling him to do. And many of us have been in that situation where we feel God has spoken to us to do something, and yet our situation has gotten worse. It has digressed instead of progressed. And so what comes with that? Yes, the thoughts of disappointment. Yes, the thoughts of fear of failure. For 20 years, I felt, and Cody, you probably know this, for 20 years, I felt God has called me to pastor. And I told people that I was going to pastor, but over the years, when I don't see things happening or I don't see things taking place, yes, the thoughts and the, the questions come, God, is this really what you have for me? As time kept ticking by, God, is this really what you have spoken to me? And then it gets to the point, well, what if I do step out into something, maybe I didn't hear right, so what happens if I do that and I fail? Do I then go back and have to tell people why I miss God? So I begin to be afraid of those things. And I think many of us get afraid of those things as well. I heard Les Brown, the motivational speaker, talk about The wealthiest place on the planet is in the graveyard. Because in the graveyard, there's ideas and inventions and, and all kinds of things that have never taken place, have never gone out. And they die with people because they're too afraid to step out and do what they feel God is calling them to do or whatever that passion might be. And so they take that to the graveyard with them. So like I said, I can't tell you how many people I have told that God has called me to pat that I'm going to pastor, and like I said, I've known this, uh, and Joseph was more likely dealing with the same thing that I was dealing with, that every one of us have been dealing with as well too, in that period of time. So how did he get beyond the disappointments, the failures, and the things like that he might have been experiencing, beyond the circumstances, beyond the thoughts of failure, beyond all those things, to then begin to walk in a life of success? And there was one thing that Joseph had. One thing that enabled him to get beyond disappointment and get beyond failure to move from there to where he is now. And we'll take a look at that. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Go ahead and flip there. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 says this. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. That one thing, the Lord was with Joseph, and because of that, he succeeded in everything that he did. Listen, guys, the definition of success in your life is not what you have, it is who you have. Joseph, the one thing that made him successful is one thing that he had, and that was the presence of God in his life. The presence of God in his life allowed Joseph to be a success in everything that he did. The Lord was with Joseph, and because of that, he succeeded in everything that he did. The Lord was with Joseph as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph as a servant. And he's in the middle of being a servant in Potiphar's house. Probably not the best situation, but yet God still calls him a success. Because the Lord was with him, Joseph was a success in everything that he did. Setback after setback after setback. And he is still successful all because of God. All because God was with him. And as a direct result of God being with him and that everything that Joseph touched prospered. Everything that he put his hand to prospered. From being hated by his brothers to a slave, he prospered. From a slave to a servant, he prospered. Because God was with him. Because God was with him. Genesis chapter 39, verse 3. Watch this for me. Potiphar noticed this, and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. Here's the deal, guys. Potiphar noticing this is a pretty big deal. Because the last time I checked and the last time I read, Potiphar is not a believer, Okay, so his knowledge of God could be slim at best. So he really don't understand maybe the God concept. He really don't understand the whole meaning of God being with us and how it impacts us and how it can affect Joseph's life in this situation. But it says Potiphar noticed that God was with uh, Joseph and he was giving him success in everything that he did. So Joseph being a servant in the house, just one probably of many, and Potiphar noticing this tells me that Joseph, whatever he did, was probably so above and beyond what every other servant was doing in his house. So it wasn't just normal, and it wasn't just he succeeded at one or two things here and there. It was probably so noticeable that Potiphar had to step back and look and say, God, there's something different about that guy. I cannot figure out why he's getting the results that he is getting, why he is doing the things that he's doing so far and above beyond every other servant that I have. He said, "Well, there's only one thing that I can figure out. God must be with him. Right. God must be with him, and God must be impacting his current situation and the results that he's getting." Yeah. So Potiphar noticing this is a huge deal, is a big deal. Go on to verse 4. I want you to take a look at this. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. Potiphar says to Joseph, listen, man, you are blessed. I could see that. You got something going on for you. I could see it; it is evident and everyone else can see it. I need what you have. I need what you got. And so I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you in charge over everything that I have. Because I could see whatever you're touching, whatever you're putting your hand to is being blessed. So I need you. I need you to be in charge of everything that I have. So everything that I have can be blessed as well, too. So the Bible says, from the first day that Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household because of who? Because of Joseph. Not because of the things that they were doing and and how efficient they were in the household. No, it was because of Joseph that Potiphar's household was blessed. Because Joseph was blessed and everything he touched prospered, all because of God was with him. Because God was with him, what he did prospered, and because God was with him, it prospered those around him. How do you get beyond the disappointments? How do you get beyond the ideas of failure? God is with you. Okay? God is with you. God is what pushes you. The presence of God is what keeps you going, keeps you moving forward. The expectation that, you know what, everything I touch prospers. And not just everything I touch, everything around me, because God is with me, is going to prosper as well. And it's not just going to be evident to me, it's going to be evident to those around me. Because of what I carry, because of what I have on the inside of me. And so the story goes on. Joseph is ahead of everything in Potiphar's house, and you know the story. Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph because Joseph's got the presence of God, then for all you single guys, there's hope because of God being in your life. Ladies will like you, right? <laughs> okay. so. And the story goes on. Potiphar, wife, Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph, and, and this is Genesis 39.10. Joseph refuses her advances, and she gets mad and accuses Joseph of rape. So Potiphar gets mad and throws Joseph in prison. Another setback. Genesis 39, verse 21. Go down to that for me. It'll be on the screen. So Joseph's thrown in prison, and it says this, but the Lord, in prison here, okay? The Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Verse 22, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Verse 23, The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him, is what it says, the Lord was with him and caused everything that he did to succeed. Why did everything that Joseph did succeed? Because God was with him. Are you catching a theme here? Okay, are you following me on this one? Are you seeing some similarities? Because the Lord was with him, he got beyond his disappointments. He got beyond the, what we would classify as failures in his life. All because of one thing. And that one thing is that God was with him. Because the Lord was with him, failure was no longer an option, because everything he touched prospered. Not only that, but the Lord's presence on Joseph took care of the concerns and the worries of everyone around him as well. Potiphar put him in charge, because he's seen everything he touched prosper. So I want you to handle the affairs of my household, because I know you're blessed. You go ahead and handle that, and you know what? I'm not even going to worry about it. The warden in the prison, seeing that God was with Joseph, so he said, you know what, I'm putting you in charge, and I'm not even going to worry about it. You handle it, I know God is with you, I trust that, you know what, I'm not even going to worry about it. My cares and my concerns, man, I'm giving it to you because you know what, I I know the Lord's with you. Are you seeing something here? Are you catching where I'm going with this? Joseph walked in success because of that one thing. The Lord was with him. Well, might be saying, well, Brian, this sounds great, but how does this apply to me? How can I have the success that Joseph had? And we're going to take a look at that. It's pretty safe to say that every individual in this place wants that type of success for their life. Okay, we want to walk in that type of success, especially in our troubled times. Especially when we're going through it. Especially when we're sitting in the pit. Especially when we're sitting in the prison. We want that type of success that he experienced. We want the blessings on our job. We want the blessings on our family. We want everything that we do to prosper. And God wants everything that we do to prosper. The same way you operate, listen to me, guys. Like I talked about, success is not based upon what you have. It's based upon who you have success is not based upon what you have it is based upon who you have and how do i operate with that in my life listen to me the same way you operate with salvation in christ salvation does not come by what you have salvation comes by what you believe salvation comes by what or who you have the same way i operate with salvation in my life i can't do anything to earn my salvation the only thing I need to do for salvation is believe in Jesus. So it's not about what I do. It's not about all those, uh, the, the situation, or it's not about all the things that I can do to earn salvation. It's about believing in Jesus. So it's who I have instead of what I have in order to earn salvation. Yeah. So the same way you operate in salvation is the same way you operate with God's presence in your life and favor in your life like Joseph had. It's not because of what you do. It's because of what you believe. So God's presence in your life is not based upon the things that you do, okay? And, and let me just kind of just put this together here. I want, I want to make sure you guys are following me here. I worked for Verizon for 15 and a half years, okay? In a position, and I had roughly probably 14, 15 stores I overseen and, you know, was an account manager over and, you know, different employees that we'd have to coach and this, that, and the other. And so we were held responsible like in any company, for our numbers. And we have to, numbers of over our stores and all that stuff. Are they in the green? Are they in the red? You know, and all that stuff. The difference with corporate America is you're only as good as your last numbers. And so you're only as good as what you've done up to that point. And so there there were times, and it's very interesting, I could remember one year, I was an account manager of the year for the Pacific Northwest, And then the next year, I'm being written up because my results (laughs) results weren't up to par. And so I was only as good as my last number. I was only as good as the things that I did prior to that. And so in order for me to be successful, everything that I did was based upon what I did. And so in order for me to be success within Verizon, I had to do certain things. Right? So my success was based upon me. It all relied on the things that I did, the worldly definition of success, about what you have, about what you do. The godly definition of success, on the other hand, is about who you know. So it doesn't matter what I do, it matters who I know, who I have. And so that doesn't fly well in the face of corporate America, if I say, hey, I know my numbers aren't good enough, but God's with me.
0: (laughs) It
1: don't flow very well. But in the God aspect of things, and I know, God, my numbers are, are low, but I know that you're with me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's not about as you're only good as your last number is. You're as good as who he says you are.
0: Amen.
1: Yeah. And so it's not about the things that you do. It's about Christ in you. Yeah. Amen. And that, that's the very same thing that Joseph knew in the pit, in the prison, it's not about the things that he's doing because in the midst of those situations, God's still calling him successful because the Lord was with him. So I want you to listen to this. Joseph had God with him, and because of that, he succeeded. And as far as you and me, we may not have God uh, as for you and me, we not only have God with us, we have him in us. Yeah. Turn over to John 17, and I want to I go over this real quick. am i doing on time here thank you very much john chapter 17 and i'm going to kind of give you some context behind this so jesus is finishing the work of the father in john chapter one he looks up to heaven and prays to the father now understanding jesus has not taken gone to the cross yet he's getting ready to Okay, and so he's talking to the Father, he's looking up to heaven, he's praying to the Father. And then he goes on to pray for the disciples as well, and then he prays for us, okay? If you take a look at this in John 17, it says Jesus praying to the Father, Jesus praying for the disciples, when you get to 20, Jesus prays for us, it talks about, okay? So he prays for us, and we're going to pick it up there in John chapter 17, verse 20, as Jesus is praying for us. And I want you to notice what he prays to the Father, okay? Remember, we're talking about God being with us and the presence of God being with us and impacting the things around us, okay? Not about what we do, but it's a matter of who we have, okay? So I want you to think about that as we read this. So John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says this to the Father. He's saying, I ask not only for these disciples, but for also those who will... Okay, so he's, let, me, let me back up here. He's saying, I ask not only for these disciples that he was walking with, what he prayed just a few verses before, and he's transitioning now to pray for us. So he's saying, I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Okay, Jesus tasked the disciples to go out and preach the gospel, and so he's praying for every individual that hears this message and believes in this message. So you, so you, me. If you're a believer, you've heard the message, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus is praying for you right here, okay? So he goes on to verse 21. I pray for them all, listen, all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Father, I am one with you. I'm praying for all my people who hear the message that they will realize and recognize that they are one with me like I am one with you, okay? And because of that, when Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. You can kind of understand why he's bringing this together. Jesus told multiple people time and time and time again when he walked this earth 33 and a half years, he used to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he recognized that the Father and I are one. What the Father has, I have. The Father and I are unified. Now all of a sudden he's praying, Father, I pray that my people understand and know that they are one with me like I am one with you. So Jesus says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Essentially, we can say, because of our unity with Christ, you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Okay, because of that unity he's praying for right here. Verse 21, he goes on to say, or verse 22, excuse me, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. He's praying to the Father that they will experience the oneness or the unity that, Father, you and I experience. So The very glory you have given me is the very reason why I walked this earth doing the things that I did, I seen the things that I see, I got the results that I got. Why? Because of the very glory that you've given me. That's why Jesus said in John 5 verse 19, the Son is unable to do anything for himself, Or through his own initiative, only do the works that I see the Father doing, for the Son does the same works as the Father. Why? Because the glory that the Father had, he gave to Jesus. The very glory that Jesus had, he's giving to us. The results that Jesus got here on earth were because of the glory of the Father. The results that we have here on earth are all because of the glory that Jesus had. And he transferred that to us. So how can we expect the type of results that Joseph got because God was with him? Listen to me, guys. The glory that Jesus had has been given to us. Why would you not expect those same type of results? Why would you not expect it? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If someone came up to me after service and said, Brian, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, that is not blasphemy to me. It's exactly what Jesus prayed right here to the Father. Okay, let's go on. Verse 23, Jesus said this, you live fully in me, talking to the Father, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. So that they will experience perfect unity And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, you live in me, and now I am living in them. And because of that, they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you, or that they know me, and that you have sent me. How is the world going to be convinced? the same way that Potiphar was convinced, the same way that the warden was convinced, because God is with us. The one thing, listen guys, the one thing that impacted Joseph to get him beyond all the disappointments, to get beyond all the failure, is one thing, that one thing, God was with him. What is going to carry you beyond disappointments, failures, grief hurt one thing god is with you yes. yeah. and because god is with you people will know and people will recognize who jesus is yeah. because you are walking with him in unity with him yeah. Thank you. so i admit it has been challenging the last year has been a challenge But I tell myself multiple times a day because God is with me, I have favor. Because God is with me, I will prosper. And because God is with me, I will succeed. That's right. Yes. 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 Amen. It is very humbling, guys. Listen, it is very humbling when you lose a position. And I'm not bragging, I was in a very good position salary wise. It is very humbling when you step out and you, you follow God's plan for your life and you lose a position like that and you go work at another position where you're probably making a third of what you were making. It is very, very humbling. And you have the questions of, how am I going to make it? How are we going to get past this? How are we going to get through this? Did God call us (laughs) the right way or do the right thing? I've often had this question many a times, God, what in the world did you get me into? (laughs) Because frankly, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And there's many times I get up in the morning, you know what, God? I'm going to be a success because you are with me. I'm going to prosper because you are with me. Because God is with us, we will walk in success in everything that we put our hand to. It is not about the doing. It's about believing. And when you believe God is with you and God is in you, disappointments become appointments. Failure is no longer fear and success is what you will walk in. Amen. When you understand your rights as a child of God and what Jesus has done for us, you will begin to walk differently. You will begin to talk differently. You will begin to act differently. That's right. When you realize what the Father has given the Son, Jesus, and what the Son has given to us, it changes how you operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not about the doing, it's about the knowing. That's right. Right. Now, I'm going to finish with a story here real quick, if you don't mind, we got a little time here. So, as many of you don't know, my dad has a restaurant here in town called Chicken and More. I'm not trying to put out an advertisement or anything <laughs> like that, okay. Good. Monday there is a three piece dinner special if you go. No, <laughs> you know, no. If my dad's watching, he's probably like, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, my dad has this restaurant in town, and it, this summer will be 30 years since he opened, oh, okay. And so I worked down there as a kid because I was 14, and my dad had absolutely no one to help him, so I'd go down after school, and I'd work down there. And so probably for about four years, I would go down there and work there. And then once I went away to Bible school and college and all that stuff, and got my own career, I didn't work there again, okay? But what I found interesting is when I would go down there, because I'm not a regular down there, I'd go down there, Say so people would be standing in line. My dad's restaurant is pretty narrow, you know, And so you stand in line, and the lines will come back. And if you're sitting in a booth, you know, someone's right there, you know. So there'll be a long line. And so here's the thing, because he's my dad, I don't stand in line (laughs) because it's his restaurant. I don't stand in in line like the rest of the customers. Well, I just walk into the kitchen and just go get what I want, okay? If I want a soda, if I want some chicken or whatever, I just go back into the kitchen to get what I want. Now, it's always kind of funny because customers who don't know me who are standing in line, sometimes they kind of look, you know, I mean, if my dad's working, they know we're related, but if someone else is working, sometimes they look like, how can he do, (laughs) how can he just walk back in the kitchen and get whatever he wants to? Well, it's simple. They don't know that he's my father. Right. Okay. And so because my father owns the restaurant, he said to me, what's mine is yours. And so therefore I can just walk back in the kitchen, and get whatever I want. Why? Because that's my privilege. Right. That's my Right. That's the right that my father has given me. That's the right that my father has given the rest of my siblings. So we can just walk back in the kitchen, get whatever we want to do. And if someone looks at us like we're crazy, so be it. This is my right, OK? Exactly. So after I lost my job, I started working down there again for a little bit. Now, what I find interesting is, is this happened, OK? So many of you all know I'm married. My wife and I got one kid, and I got two stepboys, OK? So I got two stepkids. And so I'm down there working in the restaurant. Then my stepson comes down, and he orders some food. And so then he asked me, as we give him the food, he asked me, kind of timid-like, he says, can I come back there and get something to drink? I said, yeah, come on back. Just get whatever you want, you know? So he comes back there, and as he comes back there, my dad walks by and sees him. Well, what do you think my dad said to him when he sees my stepson back in the kitchen getting whatever he wants? He said, absolutely nothing. Why? Why? Because the rights and the privileges that I have, I pass down to my son. Okay? And so therefore, my son now is operating under the same promises and the, 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 the rights and the privileges that I have as the father has given to me. Right. Well, wait a minute, Brian. I mean, he's not your real son. He's your stepson. I mean, his last name is Hirakawa, and my last name is Hemphill. Yeah, but when my wife and I got married, I brought them in to my family. I've adopted them into my family. So the last name is irrelevant. The same authority and the privileges and the promises that given me the right in my restaurant has been given to me by my father because of the unity that I have with my father. And so when I got married, I took that privilege and that unity and the promises that I have, and I gave it to my adopted son. And so therefore, when he comes into the restaurant... He don't necessarily have to ask, Bryant, can I go get something? No, just go get it. That's your privilege. Why? Because I brought you into the family. So Jesus, the Father, is saying to Jesus, here's your right, here's your privilege, here's my glory, here's my unity. Take it. Go do what you want with it. Okay? Go have success. Go see results. Go minister the message. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus says. So Jesus comes as the ultimate representation of the Father. The success that he had is just pointing back to the Father. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is saying the glory and the unity and the oneness that I have with the Father, I'm passing down to you so that you'll understand this. Why? Because you are my adopted children. We may not have the same last name as the father, but when he accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we've been adopted into the family. So as believers, spiritually speaking, we can walk back into the kitchen and get whatever we want to. Because that's all right. So how can we be a success in life to overcome the disappointments, to overcome the failures? Because God is with us. How can we expect prosperity? How can we expect health? How can we expect provision? Because God is with us. The pit, God is with you. The prison, God is with you. In the palace, God is with you. You can expect more than what you have. Every single day of your life. Because God is with me, I am a success. Because God is with me, I will succeed. Because I'm not working for Verizon anymore, I will succeed. Because I'm selling insurance at a little startup insurance agency, I will be a success. Because I'm stepping out into the unknown, pastoring a church from the ground up in the poorest zip code in the state of Washington, I will succeed. I will succeed. My wife went back to work for the first time and since we've been married, but you know what? She's going to succeed. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. That's right. Not because her skills, not because her ability, not because of her talent, but because God is with her. That's right. So how do we operate with this, guys? How do we see the results? It's not about the doing, it's about the knowing. That's right. So as you leave this place, you need to tell yourself, because God is with me because God is with me.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com/connect, and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and remember, Jesus is coming soon.